Welcome along to the first episode of Power Band Podcast, the motorcycling podcast by Kiwi motorcyclists for Kiwi motorcyclists. My name is Ray Heron. Joining me is co-host Matthew Day Gillett. Hi there. <laughs> yes, don't forget the Gillett. Who are we? Yeah, who are we? Um, well, for me, myself, I am a former motoring journalist here in little old New Zealand. Um, and I know a thing or two about motorcycles and can talk to a few people. And how to drop them. Yeah, I don't know too much about dropping them. I've only got a couple of those in my history. Thank you very much. But yeah, I've been riding for about 10 years or so and um, mostly successfully, I might add. All right, Matthew. Matthew or Matt? Matt. Matt's easier. Yeah. Matt's much easier. One syllable. Who inspired you to get on a bike? Oh, see, for me, um, wee bit controversial here. Um, have you ever heard of the TV series Long Way Round? Uh, rings a bell, actually. So it's Ewan McGregor, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi himself, along with his uh, mate Charlie Borman, and they ride BMW R1200GSs. I think, actually, they were 1150s back in the day. Um, but they ride these bikes from London to New York um, the long way around um, via land. So they go through... Europe and Russia and a little bit of Asia and then they finally hit America and honestly that's kind of what finally inspired me to go yeah you know what I want to get my motorcycle license I want to ride bikes. And how old were you when you first got your motorcycle license? I was in my first year of university so I would have been 19 years old not quite a spring chicken but not too old either. I think it was a good time to get into motorcycling personally. First bike? A Hyacinth GT250 in uh, Tui Orange. And what a way to get into motorcycling. Yeah, oh, it was a good little bike there. They get a lot of knocks, the little Hyacinths, but uh, it was a reliable little ride. That's all I needed. Got me to and from uni and a few other places, actually. And what was your hairiest moment on a motorcycle? Oh, yeah. Almost any time lane splitting down the Auckland Southern Motorway, but I'll tell you, there was this one time that sticks in my mind, and it was um, not long before I moved out of the big smoke and gave up lane splitting forever. Um, I was riding home from work one day and just lane splitting along, minding my own business, well, minding everyone's business and trying to stay alive. And this guy just took offense to the fact I was lane splitting and he started tailgating me and trying to share the lane with me and pull up beside me. And he did it for about 15 kilometers and I basically rode straight off the motorway straight to police station and laid a complaint. So I was shaking. I was terrified. Unfortunately, in New Zealand, it's almost like a rite of passage, isn't it? I mean, I think everyone's got a story of a disgruntled cage driver. Oh, I know, man. Um, trying to take you out. What about yourself? Let's let's bring it back to you for a second here. So, what inspired you to ride? Oh, I was going to say, my name is Ray Heron. I have a problem. <laughs> uh, what inspired me to ride? I was in Christchurch, actually, quite a number of years ago, and 10 years ago, and swapped a laptop and a PS Vita or PSP one or the other uh, for a scooter and I hooned around Christchurch on this illegal unwarranted unregistered scooter for <laughs> six months uh, and then moved into moved to Invercargill and uh, had to get rid of the scooter and thought hang on I'm, I'm free I'm easy I could go and get my license so I did uh, so actually I decided to get my license on a Monday Thursday I was booked in for the uh, the, the skills test Friday I did the scratch and sniff test and Saturday I bought my first uh, Honda VT250F, a 1986 model. Ah, so you started out on a cruiser. 
was well, it? Well, not quite. It was a bit more of a sporty. It definitely wasn't a laid back, uh, laid back bike. That's for sure. But I mean, it was by only today, a two fifty. Yeah, by today's standards, the LVT two fifty. Uh, was that the one you happened to have in Taupo at some stage, was it? Yes, when I moved to Taupo I had that and then I sold it uh, and I went, what did I do after that? I got a 2013 GW250 Inzuma and that didn't last long. It was a horrible little bike. Sorry to anyone who rides them. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that about the Inzuma. I do like to Google and it's one of my uh, little, um, oh, what would we call it? Um, one of those little things you just love to do when you're bored. Google GW250 Inazuma Scrambler and see what comes up. There's actually some really cool customs based off that little bike. Oh, wow. That's an idea. Yeah. Although I'm living in Wainui Market now. I don't know if the uh, Inzuma would get over that big hill. <laughs> yeah, they are reputed to be quite gutless. I was trying to chase down a mate uh, of both of ours, actually, on a, uh, a 92 Honda CBR Thou. Ah, I know who this friend is. And that, that coupled with another mate of ours who, who no longer has the bike, but he had a VTEC Honda. Uh, that that just ruined that bike for me. The old Inzuma had to go. Yeah, I don't blame you there. But then again, sort of low power bikes, they do have their place. Yeah, they definitely do. I most recently have had a uh, CRF 250L, uh, 2017 model. Uh, good little bike, especially off road. More better than you'd expect. Mm, oh, definitely. Well, um, if you were to say you've got 20 grand as your budget, go out today buy a motorcycle. I could spend half that and I'd be coming home with the CRF250L Rally. That's my favourite motorcycle of the past five years. Of Man, riding. if I had 20 grand to spend today, I'd probably be coming home with a Yamaha Tracer of some description, possibly a 900. Yep, yep. The uh, Go for the GT, the new one. Uh, 19999 plus on road, so you'd kind of have to fork out some real money as well. Um, but man, that bike was awesome. Uh, yeah, you went to the launch of that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. And it was in Queenstown. And normally when we picture Queenstown, it's, Queenstown has two modes. You have sunny, summer, everything's dry, it's amazing. And then you have winter where everything's snow. And somehow I got to Queenstown somewhere in the middle. So there were these beautiful dry roads and then you go around a corner and then just be snow everywhere. <laughs> and it was the most bizarre launch I've ever been on, but that bike just stood out. Um, perfect all-terrain, well, not all-terrain, sorry, uh, all-weather motorcycle, I reckon that is. They're quite well equipped too, I hear. Yeah, it's got uh, heated grips, a quick shifter from standard, panniers from standard, adjustable windscreen. Um, lovely comfortable seat and a TFT dash which um, if you've happened to know what the old Yamaha Tracer 900 or the old MT-09 Tracer as it's sometimes called uh, the old dash on that literally looked like two classic Game Boys glued together it was not a pretty dash no that was probably the worst part of the bike I think easily easily the worst <laughs> worst part of that bike the engine's a peach the 115 horsepower yamaha triple and it's ferocious when you turn all the aids off wow i'm looking forward to i've, I've spent the last four years actually before the C, uh, crf that i had uh on an mt07 beautiful bike mm. oh those are especially yours was a lambs version as well so it was yes it was the lambs one what would you call it it's not detuned because it actually had a smaller capacity it's the, so the, the the bore on them is sleeved so they're down to a 655 cc so they're not restricted like say the the the, the lamb suzuki's 
Um, the SV650 is restricted in the throttle and a few other places. You can't... Mm, ECU. Yeah, you can't just go and change them back to being a full-power bike. They are a lambs and that's what they'll stay. Yeah, but then again, the MT-07, um, this is another launch I went on in my storied career as a motorcycling journalist. Um, the MT-07, even in lambs spec, it doesn't actually need more power. It will happily wheelie for 200 metres or more in the right hands. Yeah, it, it definitely in the right hands. I have had the front wheel up, but I'm not a wheelie guy. It, it, it worries me, especially when you've got something that pretty between your legs. It's oh, I don't want to drop it. <laughs> yeah, there is that. There has got to be one of those things that you do have to sort of remind yourself when you're in uh, this line of work is, I don't own this motorcycle and I don't want to own this motorcycle because if you drop something or crash something um, and your insurance decides, no, you are being a twat, uh, you have to buy that motorcycle and I know a couple of journos who have done it and uh, they weren't particularly stoked about that. Hey, there's got to be something said for the MT-07 though. Bike of the year, three years running. Oh yeah, and it's genuinely a really good bike and I'm actually looking forward to riding the updated version which stylistically looks a little bit more appealing. It, the one thing I could have said negative about the MT-07 when it came out and up until quite recently. That headlight? It looks yeah. a bit stunned? It looked a bit rakish almost like the bike just didn't it looked a bit shrunken um it was a bit odd it just looked dopey and especially when you lined it up against the mt09 of the same year it just looked uh, un- unaggressive yeah it still looks unaggressive now especially compared to the mt09 which looks very angry it's taken a leaf out of the mt10's book yes but it's well i was wondering if they had mt09 headlights left over in the factory and they put the mt09 headlight from the previous model on the current model mt07 huh now there's a thought. If you Google that, if you look at, say, a 20... Take, for example, a 2016 MT-09 and a 2016 MT-07. If you take the headlight off the MT-09, put it on the 07, and change the, the tank fairings a little bit, that's pretty much what appears to me that they've done. Mm. Yeah. Not saying it's a bad thing. No. Well, like, that platform's brilliant, and let's face it, when you're riding a motorcycle, you don't actually see the headlight. No, you don't. <laughs> Unless you're riding it very poorly. Yes, well, let's let's save that for that conversation for another day. Yes, shall we? Hey, well, that's a bit about us. Shall we move on to uh, the news? Good call, good call. So, right now, we're in between motorcycle shows, so... Every couple of years, there's this big motorcycle show called Intermot, and it's held in Cologne in Germany. Um, and every year in Italy, there is a show which is called EICMA, E-I-M-C-A, I think you spell it. And um, these two motorcycle shows are where the big brands like to show off their latest medal. And Intermot only happens every two years. So I was kind of going into that show, which is just finished, um, was thinking, oh yeah, there'll be some really cool stuff. Literally, there was a short list. Um, so there were a lot of people, Yamaha showed off some new colors. Um, Honda did n- nothing really spectacular. Um, but two brands in particular stood out for having awesome kit on show. So you have Suzuki, um, not normally noted for having awesome kit on show at any one uh, moment. They're normally a very conservative brand and they've gone and turned back the history books and they brought out a new katana and for once the katana actually looks like a katana should so it's based off the 1981 uh i believe it's a gs x 1100 i think was the 
engine code for that. I'll have to double check that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and basically, they've taken the current GSX-S 1000 and made it look like this 1981 bike. And it, it looks awesome. Um, a few people are a little bit disappointed that it's basically a GSX-S 1000 in drag, but Suzuki upgraded the brakes, upgraded the suspension, um, and they just made this thing look awesome. I'm not quite sure if it's a, a modern classic or a retro sport or how to exactly classify this thing, um, but if you like 80s-styled bikes, all the slab sides and that, um, that's possibly the bike for you if you want something with uh gsx s1000 engine i'm just googling images of it now and and it, it definitely does look like a, a bit of a weapon mm, yeah the, they did a really good job of their press imagery to make it look as sporty as possible um, i do remember vaguely riding the um, bike it's based off the gsx s1000 and that's got more power than you need for the road the engine they used in that bike and in the new katana is the 2005 GSX-R1000 motor, which is an animal in its own right. Um, so they've tamed it down, they've retuned it and given it traction control and ABS and all that, but it's you turn that stuff off and you're left with a bike that can go silly speeds, easily lose your license speeds, and especially in our uh, overly policed, occasionally right. Ah, but you can't you lose your license on a racetrack. No, you cannot. And that's probably a place where I'd love to see that new bike, actually. But another bike I'd love to see on a track, um, a flat track, um, the new bike from Indian, the FTR 1200. So uh, Now, you've ridden a few Indians in your time. I know you've been to a few press junkets to do with Indian. I have, I have. um, This is a major departure from Indian, though, so... Up until now, you could have called the sportiest bike in the Indian lineup the Scout. Sort of Burt Munro, they love to lean on that. They launched the bike uh, to the world in New Zealand. Um, But this new bike is completely new. Um, So it's based off the, well, imagery-wise, it's based off the FTR 750 flat track bike, which Indian has just won all of these AMA flat track championships with. Um, absolutely demolishing the Harley competition. And, um, yeah. Ha, have Harley got much to go on these days? Oh, that's going to annoy some people, yeah. isn't it? They comment. Ooh, I, I could stand up for Harley, but when it comes to flat tracking, um, they're really being outclassed. Um, but the- You could stand for, up for Harley, but Harley is like the brand that you either love or you love to hate. Come on. Yeah. How many Harleys have you written? Can I ask you this? Uh, I suppose you've got me there. None. Yeah, see, um, yeah, I, I remember it's something my wife loves to bring up a lot, and I used to say it all the time when I first started riding. If I ever get interested in a Harley Davidson, go out and buy one. Uh, please give me a swift kick in the nuts. And um, I'm pretty sure I made a very good kick in the nuts because I haven't bought one, but I've thought about it. Um, oh, what kind of person are you? Honestly, a good bike's a good bike. And uh, a lot of what Harley's doing these days, they're moving away from uh, the old man uh, paint shakers and actually putting some sweet kit out. Like next year, we'll be seeing the uh, Livewire, their electric bike, come out. Um, and I, <laughs> another press junket I managed to get on. Um, this feels like the Matt press junket memory show at the moment. Um, <laughs> but I got to go to Malaysia to ride around the ring road of Sepang 
on it was Project Livewire back then. It was just before it made its debut to the public uh, in the Avengers: Age of Ultron movie. And if you've watched that movie, and if you haven't, what are you doing? Um, the bike sounds exactly the same as it's portrayed in that movie. It's got a bevel drive. It sounds cool. It's really quick because you got a hundred percent torque from zero RPM. Um, and yeah, stuff like that that Harley are doing has been really good. And to bring it back to the Indian, well, I was just going to say just before we do get back to the Indian, uh, speaking of Harley, that it's been out for a while now. I just want to hear your opinion on that the new Harley Davidson adventure bike that looks like a flying brick. <laughs> that could be a good name for it, but they've called it the Pan America. And honestly, um, I don't know too much about it. I haven't seen full specs. But what I do know is they've got a brand new V-twin, which is a 1250cc water-cooled unit. Um, Styling-wise, yes, it does look like a flying brick. Uh, I was going to say it's just it's just blatantly American, eh? Like you look you look at say the the the, the Ford trucks and the the Dodge trucks and the big flat front, and then you look at what America are putting out as far as motorcycles go. Yeah, I wouldn't want to drop that bike. Um, just because of the plastic, especially around the fairing. Um, what I, there is a very good, um, so if you look at, say, I think it's the Ultra Limited or one of the Harley Touring machines, I can't remember which one exactly right now, um, but there is that, sh- they call it a shark nose, that sort of very slab-sided fairing. Um, and I can see what they're doing there. They're sort of trying to keep a little bit of family, sort of Harley-Davidson uh, DNA in this wild departure for them but um, it'll be very interesting it looks heavy um, it looks very heavy but we'll see that apparently they're trying to pit it off against the R1250 GS um, which is BMW it's the hero of the adventure class you can't really say a bad thing about it apart from the thing that it weighs a ton and as you quite rightly pointed out don't knock it till you've ridden it eh? yeah exactly um, so I, I apologise yeah. to any Harley <laughs> listeners we do we do want to, want to bring something that caters for everyone we don't want to knock knock your favourite bikes It's it, we're not about that yeah L- love all bikes there's no such thing as a bad motorcycle remember that's something I always tell myself uh, there are great bikes and there are okay bikes but there's no such thing as a bad motorcycle unless it's a push bike <laughs> unless it hasn't got an engine right back to the Indian FTR12 Yeah, so this is the first um, sort of product um, of Indian's new R&D budgets. So Indian used to have a sister brand up until uh, January last year called Victory. Uh, So Indian has a parent company called Polaris Industries. They make side-by-sides and that kind of thing. Um, And they own the Indian brand. But before they got their hands on Indian, they made their own brand and called it Victory. And it was a cool, it was a bit of a more modern take on the American cruiser market. And I think it was January 10 last year, they just pulled the plug and goes, no, we're killing off Victory. We're going to pump more money into Indian. And we've been waiting ever since, um, over 18 months, to see some kind of new new bike come out from india and this one looks swish yes it's you just if you're listening to the podcast right now crank out your phone or your laptop whatever you've got in front of you go to google and just google ftr 1200 it is a fantastic looking bike oh i absolutely adore it it's genuinely sporty i do see hints of other motorcycles in there i'm picking up a a, a fraction of cafe racer a little bit of Oh, the engine kind of looks a little bit Yamaha-esque. Yeah, frame-wise, Ducati Monster. Definitely, yes. Um, so it's a, it's definitely got the styling down. Um, so it comes in two variations. You've got your base FTR 1200, um, which is 
nothing to sneeze at. I think it's 120 horsepower out of that V-twin, which is a lot more, about 20 horsepower more than the Indian Scout Max at the crank. And then you sort of move on, you've got adjustable suspension. The one downside to the base bike there is it's got the uh, the clock, the speedo from the Indian Scout bobber, which is a bit boring. It doesn't tell you all that much in way of information. Um, one thing I've always said about the Indian uh, Dash is you need just something like a fuel gauge on it in this day and age. If you don't have a fuel gauge on a bike which has equipped with an LCD screen, what are you doing? Yes, definitely. And you know the other thing I really like in a in a in a, in a, gauge, a gauge cluster is a uh, a gear indicator. Yes. And you can sort of, some people will knock them going, oh, that's just a newbie thing. You should always know what gear it is or you just go by the feel. It's nice to just have a quick glance after a while because you've been cruising along, enjoying the scenery. If you've been cruising up, up the Wellington Motorway, upstate highway too, you get to the Dallas Interchange, you go, hang on, which gear am I in? You flick it, oh, no, it's, I'm in top gear. It's not going to go up any further. Yeah. Like you can do that or you can just look at your dash right next to your speed, which you're exactly. generally checking a fair bit as well. Back to the Indian. So... Above the base model is the FTR1200S, and that comes with upgraded suspension, upgraded brakes. Uh, Same power, same tyres and all that, but uh, it's got a, I want to call it a TFT dash, but it's not, but it's got a colour dashboard that's completely digital, and it it has all of those features I've wanted Indian to uh, put out for ages. They call the system Ride Command, um, so it's basically a touchscreen dash where you can do whatever. Nice. It's very cool. And another cool thing about the FTR 1200 is the tyres. Because it's an interesting wheel size, um, I believe it's... Uh, yeah, what what, is, what size are they? Because they, those are huge wheels on that little bike. Yeah, they're, um, I believe it's a 19 and an 18. Uh, so 19 inch front, 18 inch, inch rear. And so the tyres actually had to be specially commissioned for this bike. Uh, because they are uh, inspired by the flat track racing bike. Um, so I think they might be Dunlops. Uh, but yeah, it's absolutely awesome. Like I really, really dig it. And bravo, well done Indian for actually finally bringing something new out. Uh, because everyone, well, Lord knows they needed something fresh. Uh, the old Indian lineup's getting a little bit long in the tooth. It's been out since 2014, 2015. Right, and uh, I hear BMW have got some uh, some boxer a- action going on with some VVT. Yeah, so their home motor show, you could almost call it. Um, so the R1250 GS, so they've gone up in cubic capacity from an 1173, I believe, to basically a 1250cc motor, is they've added a variable valve timing system into their boxes. So it's currently only in the new 1250s, and basically the way it works is you've got this little electronic module inside the head, and the cam has two profiles on it, and it's actuated by this little pin that pops up out of this electronic unit, and it physically moves the camshaft from one to another. And yeah, it's very, very trick. I do wonder how it'll do with um, reliability. BMWs are known to be quite reliable and something tells me I just don't like the idea of this this little electronic thing inside my engine. Um, but in the end of the day, five to 10 more horsepower and it's not about gaining power or anything for BMW, it's about improving 
rideability. Um, and apparently it's done wonders. You've got a high load cam for max power and a low load cam for smooth uh, riding. So it, it sounds like it's going to be a really great bike and that'll come out sometime next year in New Zealand. Well, I suppose it's, it's something that's been done in cars quite a bit. I mean, Honda have done it for a very long time. You've got you, you've got VTEC, which is a similar system. You've got MyVEC and, and Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi's and even Subaru have done it. Nameless, you know, countless other cars, uh, car bands have probably done it as well but those are the ones that spring to mind. I'm pretty sure BMW called theirs Vanos, or V-A-N-O-S, um, and it debuted in, like, I remember seeing it in 3 Series back in the day. So why it's taken BMW so long to... To downsize it and put it into their smaller engines. Yeah, well, BMW were the first manufacturer to bring out ABS, so it's amazing that it's taken them this long to do it. But the proof will be in the writing of it, um, but those big boxer engines are already lovely talky things um, like absolutely gorgeous low centre of gravity and everything um, so um, you've got that the R1250 GS and R1250 RT which is the uh, roadie touring machine there. Well that about probably does it for the news in this episode. Um, I wonder if we could bring up a, a topic that is, it's a bit controversial. Headphones while riding. Matt do you wear headphones under your helmet? No. I, yeah. I've done it. I have done it. Um, but for two reasons, I don't. Um, I'm going to say the main reason, I'm going to be truthful. Uh, the main reason is I've put earbuds in when I'm riding and I'll have to have the music fully cranked. And so I'm basically deaf at a standstill and I can't hear anything because of the wind noise on the bike. So um, that's the main reason I don't do it. But also I kind of... I'll wander off. My mind will wander. I don't need any extra distractions. So I'm a, I'm a no. I don't wear headphones while riding. Fair enough. Now, I've heard a lot of people don't do it for safety reasons or they want to hear the bike and if they've got headphones in, they can't hear what the engine's doing and, and that sort of thing. I'm firmly in the opposite camp. Um, having spent the last four years commuting from initially Carpety to Wellington and now Lower Hutt to Wellington. So what distance is that for people that aren't familiar with the Wellington region? Okay, so Carpety to Wellington is 50 k's each way. Uh, so I was doing 100 k's a day on the MT-07. Uh, from Lower Hutt into Wellington, it's more like uh, 20 k's each way, so 40 k's a day. But you're still, you're, you're a lot slower speeds. You're not on State Highway 1. You're stuck in traffic. You're lane splitting, that sort of thing. So I would put the, the headphones in every morning. I'd, have, I'd be listening to audiobooks or talkback radio. Not Sometimes music, but not as a, not as a habit. Yep. Uh, more talk, talk stuff to keep, keep the mind engaged. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and to pass that, pass that commute time. Yeah. So I'll, I haven't owned a motorcycle in a couple of years, not since before I got married. Um, and I, I've been doing a very large commute up until very recently, uh, going 80 kilometres each way from Cambridge to Pyro. Um, and in the car, yeah, I'll put on similar kinds of things because my mind will wander with music. Yeah, I'm just wondering, why do you think that is? Music makes us our mind wander, but listening to other people rabbit on about stuff, like you, the listener, listening to us have a yarn about motorcycles. Which is probably why we decided to do this podcast in the first place. Yeah, yeah, totally not to just keep me busy while I'm stay-at-home dad. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing that just the mind works like that way. So uh, yes, yeah, so to me, I think it's a, you know you've you've got half an hour every morning and half an hour every night, and whether it's a, a book that's you know a storybook 
a novel or a, a non-fiction thing that you're actually learning from for me it's like well that's that that's time that I can be engaged in something that that makes sense in my head and I can I can further my horizons I guess okay so one thing that I always find problematic when I'm listening to say an audiobook or a podcast is the theater of the mind where your mind just starts picturing everything and uh, you start going hazy so that last 10k well where'd that go um, do you ever find that when you're listening to audiobooks on the bike because that would be the big problem for me yeah no definitely um it's a hard one i guess when you put it like that it, it can be quite dangerous and and you can drift off i'd like to think though that if i'm in the middle of one of those little dreams and 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 you know riding along that that if something happened in front of me i'd still be alert enough to react to it you're still paying attention to the road whether you're whether or not your brain's actually processing and, and storing the information of the last 10 kilometers or not uh, i don't know but yeah i think it comes down to that um motorcycling's a skill that's ingrained into you it becomes secondary memory um and that's why you do things like the ride forever courses or motorcycle training or track days is to improve that uh, secondary memory so that you don't have to actively think about reacting it your body just does it yeah I, I definitely think that i mean you want to be alert especially if you're lane splitting if you're if you're in a lot of traffic every day you want to be alert and you want to be on the money but i think you, you, you're definitely right there and and there's a lot of there's a lot to be gained by doing the ride forever courses specifically uh, especially if you're on your learners or, or restricted license, um, get into those ride forever courses. I know, I know a lot of guys around here, are the two board bikers, they're doing they're doing a lot of free courses even. Like it's it's so it's so subsidised that it's not going to cost you a cent. Yeah, and even if you don't jump on a fully subsidised course, normally it'll cost you at most fifty dollars for a full day course, twenty dollars for a four hour course. Uh, that was last time I checked the pricing. And we're all moaning about how high the registration cost is. That's where your money goes. That's why your registration's so expensive. Yeah. So make the most of those Ride Forever courses. And they're so good. Um so back when I had my last motorcycle it was another Hyasung, a GV two fifty cruiser. Um and I basically did the Ride Forever Silver course. I did it with Pro Rider in Auckland and the instructor taught me basically to really improve my emergency braking and i'm not not talking like shave off a 50 centimeters here and there i'm talking about three bike lengths um just by getting my levers right and learning to operate the brakes properly so it's completely it's completely invaluable information it's stuff that you really really should know Mm, definitely so yeah definitely jump on those ride forever courses because they're worth more than more than they you know, cost you in the pocket, and all you need is the time to go and do it. Now, the reason I bring up the uh, the, the topic of headphones is I'd like to make a list, Matt. I'd like uh, the listeners, if we have any, to help us make a list of the top ten motorcycling songs. And I'm not talking things like a Bat Out of Hell. I mean, it might be, you know, Meatloaf, Bat Out of Hell might be a great song for, for motorcycling. But what I want to do is make a, a list of the top 10 songs that you would have cranking in your ears while you're winding through a mountain pass. Maybe it's the Rimutakas, maybe it's, I don't know if you've got any, you've got, oh, you've got the Coromandel Loop up near you, haven't you? I do, the beautiful Coromandel Loop. So let's make a list of the top 10 motorcycling songs. Uh... Oh, there was one. Uh, she had. She had springs to mind. What, home again. Home again, or pacifier even. Ah, yeah. Oh, geez, I'm just trying to think. I'm just drawing a blank here. I'm going. I know there's these really good 
good songs and it's on the tip of my tongue it's 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 like it's like when you're a musician and someone says play this song oh i can't remember how it goes i could sing a verse but i'm not gonna subject you to that i'll tell you what anything foo fighters would pretty much work for me i think oh yeah Definitely. Bit of monkey wrench. I was thinking bridge burning. That's all. That always gets me going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Or, or maybe, um, maybe a bit of Credence Clearwater revival. Oh yeah. Oh man, I'm just drawing blanks on song names at the moment. Right. Well, that's that's your homework. We wanna we wanna make a list of the top ten motorcycling songs. So get those through to us. Facebook.com forward slash Powerband Podcast, and uh, we'd love to um, to have something to talk about in the next episode. <laughs> oh, there's definitely more stuff to talk about. That's not just uh, me clutching at straws trying to think of song names uh but yeah there's so much going on such as uh geez just general events yeah so let's let's move into the events part of the podcast and i'm gonna kick things off with some dirt action We've been very road-centric in this podcast thus far, but it has to be said, my first love when it comes to motorcycles was dirt bikes. Same here, same here. What did you start with? What, 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 what have you ridden? Where, where, where have you been? What have you done? I believe it was a Suzuki 50cc scooter that I first rode. <laughs> first crashed also. <laughs> uh, I believe my uncle had to fish it out of an electric fence after I revved it in gear. Uh, that was a silly thing to do. Um yeah, I deeply appreciate, I've grown to appreciate the dirt side more and more, especially this last year. Um, I did a, uh, a work-related course uh, with... Uh, course and in inverted com- commas? Yeah, inverted commas. It was a fun day out of the office with my workmates um, with Encounter Success. So that's run by Mary Wanhill in Tauranga. And we went out to the Perini uh, Motocross Park and learned how to ride motocross, and it was a blast. And we're only on DRZ125s. Oh, good little tractors, those. Oh, awesome, fun little bikes. Um, And yeah, the dirt side's just great fun. So what was your, before we move into the events, what was your first dirt experience? My first dirt experience was, now I, I did things the hard way because I wanted to be cool. So I uh, I hit the track on a borrowed CRF 250R, the uh, 20 uh, 2006 model, 2007, the twin, the first of the twin exhausts. So you did it uh, the you definitely did it the hard way. You jumped in the deep end. Definitely jumped in the deep end, and you know the first time I hit some ruts, I grabbed a full handful of throttle, and it just took off. So that was that was. But I had I had one of those uh, for a few years until it got stolen, uh, and then I got another one when we moved to Wellington. Uh, recently sold that. Now I'm on a uh, a, a classic, a uh, 2003 Yamaha WR250. Good bikes, good bike size. Absolutely solid bikes. But um, now I've I've done a few trail rides, especially around Topol. Topol's a really good place, especially throughout winter with the epic event rides, uh, which we will be talking about uh, as the podcast progresses. I've done a lot of those uh, back when it was. Uh, I've done Tussock Buster through the Wairu tra- Army Training Grounds. That's always a goodie. It's a fantastic event. I believe that raises funds for uh, the Army guys as well for return servicemen and such. Yes, it does. Uh, there's a oh, they've got about five. Five different events. I think they do a they do a, a guided trail ride. They do horse treks. They do quads. They do four wheel driving, and it's all through that that restricted army training ground on the on the right hand side. If you're heading north up the um, desert road, um, and and the other event that used to be really good was um, a little bit further uh, west. 
uh, uh, Desert Storm. Ah, yep. I've definitely heard of that one. And I, I understand they, they don't run it anymore, but it was a brilliant... In fact, that was my first ever uh, two-day trail ride event and I went uh, I had boots I had the CRF250 and I was in jeans and a hoodie with proper boots and a helmet oh that's a look but it's not an uncommon look I've, it's not an uncommon no I've got a video of my first ever face plant and I broke the visor on my helmet I probably should have been that helmet in fact and I think I'll put this up on the Facebook page uh, as the week goes on so you can have a good little laugh at uh, my unfortunate uh, off <laughs> back in those days I think I spent more time on uh, on my on my on my ass really <laughs> and uh, if anyone's ever had a CRF250R you know that when the uh, the intake valves start getting worn they get really hard to start the warmer they get oh okay my right hand my right leg just uh, just cramped up I couldn't I got to the point I couldn't kick it anymore and had to push it around half the half the trail jeez but yeah that's where I was going to say your average trail ride's uh, not short I'm looking at one here on the Moto Events uh, website main loop 35 kilometres oh that's a good ride too I mean we're talking we're talking 90k loops at uh, at Desert Storm I think the, the if you do the all the if you do the long trail and all the expert loops at Tussock Buster you're talking about 120 Jeez. kilometers oh man sounds like awesome fun though I'd absolutely love to go get on on that oh it's a whole lot of fun it's the most fun you can have with your, with your boots on oh I like that saying that, that might be something we have to uh, coin put on a t-shirt definitely right events coming up talking about dirt we've got a trail ride happening in the Maramurua Forest now this is run by Power Adventures who have got the Maramurua Forest on lockdown uh, apparently according to the notes in front of me it's a pretty sweet place. Yeah, I've actually done a little bit of uh, falling off there um, on a DRZ400 uh, for a photo shoot in my past life. Um, but the Marimaru Forest, it's an actual dirt track. Uh, not like, because uh, it's nice and close to Auckland, but a lot of the tracks around Auckland have quite a sandy base. Uh, so proper dirt track stuff. Um, and uh, I happen to know the bloke that runs Power Adventures, Greg Power. He's a uh, stalwart of dirt motorcycling in this country and um what a name oh. greg power hi i'm greg power <laughs> oh if only he spoke like that he's a much softer spoken guy but he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in motorcycling and he looks after you there's saucy sizzles there's a you know, can of drink there for you at the end of the day um well worth your money going on to those um i found another trail ride and i didn't put it on the notes because i was sure i'm going to butcher the name i'll give it a nudge come on here we go yep so this is in northland and tangi terriorora tangi terroria trail ride i absolutely apologize to all the people of northland for that butchering uh, but this is this sunday 21st of october uh, sign on from 7:30 a.m till 1:30 p.m so roll up whenever and uh, if you roll up Puki Huia Road uh, in Northland, um, you'll find a 35-kilometre main loop uh, with a great mix of terrain and breathtaking scenery. Uh, and that'll cost you 30 bucks to roll on up if you're an adult. Oh, 30 bucks for a trail ride. That's good value. Yeah. Um, event contact Scott Patterson is the dude to talk to there. But yeah, I've just jumped onto the motoevents.nz website to find these today. Oh, cheeky wee plug there. Yeah, just one of the two uh, two big ones. The other one you want to check out if you're looking for dirt rides in particular is Silver Bullet. Um, they are well established. Um but yeah, sort of Moto Events has been going for about a year now, so I may have helped put that website together back in the past life. 
Hey, and also uh, events, if you're a road enthusiast, if you're into the old road bikes, uh, we're not just talking adventure, but we're talking cruises and, and everything else. MTO7s. Yes. I know there's a lot of people riding MTO7s. We've got an MT Riders event on Sunday. Uh, Yamaha and New Zealand have actually got involved in this for a social ride day uh, to get everyone together and, and help enjoy your bikes. I mean, MTO7s, MTO9s, you got the MTO3. What else have you got in the MT range? Uh, MT10. Oh, who could forget that one? Yeah, R1-based. That thing is scary. Not going to lie, that thing scares me. Uh, you've also got the original MT, the MT01 with the big V-twin. Um, and I believe there's the old MTO3, which was a 660 engine, I think. Yes, it was. When they, back when Yamaha got really confused, they put out the, the MTO3 with a 660 engine and then went, hang on, but it's an 03. What? Yeah. What's going on here? We've got the MTO7 coming out that's a 655. Yeah. We can't have an MTO3 with a 650. Yeah, and the MTO3 was a very unfortunate-looking motorcycle as well. Rode beautifully, but was unfortunate-looking. See, I almost had one of those. I was going to get one of those, and I actually uh, said to a good mate of mine, owns um, uh, MCR down in, in Dunedin, Yamaha dealer. I said, oh, I'm keen on an MTO3. He goes, well, do you just hang on five minutes here? I might have something next week for you. And that's when the MTO7 was released. And um, I, I think I got one of the first ones in the country. I think you dropped your money on that before um, they'd even arrived, hadn't you? <laughs> and I seem to remember, that was my very first motorcycle uh, event, my very first motorcycle junket. And I said I was doing it. And then I get this message from old Ray Heron, Oh, let me know if they're any good. I've just put a deposit on one. <laughs> and they're brilliant bikes. I really shouldn't probably have sold mine. <laughs> uh, we all have regrets. Uh, but that back to MT Riders Day. Uh, so that's in Auckland. Um, and it's going to be a loop around the beautiful Maritai Coast. And apparently... Uh, Yamaha New Zealand are going to be uh, dropping free fish and chips off as well. So, Oh, bro, free fish and chips is almost worth buying an MT. Yeah, oh, totally. Um, so if you want to know more about that, uh, jump on the Yamaha website, yamaha-motornz or yamaha-motor.co.nz and you'll find the details up there. Um, but well worth going along to. And we've got a Moto TT track day at Pukakui. Yeah, so not everyone... Likes to... Or Pukakaui, mate. Pukakaui, mate. Yeah, with the V8s and such. Um, now, so Pukakaui bikes have only recently gone back there with Moto TT at the helm. Um, and why wouldn't you want to race... race well, not race, sorry. Uh, ride around one of New Zealand's most famous racetracks on your own bike. Brilliant brilliant chance to, to, to actually find out what your bike does in a safe environment with, you know, first aid on site and everything. Yeah, oh, they, they go all out. Um, they've got marshals up in, because uh, Bukakoe is actually a racehorse track, first and foremost, and secondly, it's a motorsport facility. So they've got these large horse racing towers where you'll find marshals up there. You won't have old Joe from down the garage sitting on a corner in his high-vis. No, he's up a tower. Um, so they've got the place locked down you can see everything um, and yeah medics on site should you happen to need them plus uh, all the experience of the people that go to those sorts of events you can go there knowing you know with your, with your full license having just got it knowing your bike but you you won't know yourself once you once you follow someone around a track who who may have been there a time or two you know yeah and these days you can actually go roll up to these things um, they're really pumping the encouragement for um, just going there on your learners or whatever license whatever bike you've got roll up to these events have a go um, and yeah it's a bit pricey to go have a go on a racetrack um, not going to lie, it's usually around 100 to $150, um, but the experience you get out of it um, is priceless. 
especially when you follow those experienced guys around the corners. Now, we have been uh, very, uh, very road-focused and very North Island-focused uh, in this episode, with this being the inaugural episode, the first episode of Power Band Podcast. But if you know of an event happening around the place, please do let us know. Jump on the Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Podcast. Let us know, leave a note, send us a private message, whatever it might be, and we'd love to include your event, your region's happenings in this slot uh, moving forward of course we've got uh, well after today we've got nine more episodes coming right through to Christmas so do get in touch with us whether it be an event uh, a bike you'd love to hear an opinion on some a bit of kit you know let us know what you want to know hmm, definitely um, and we'll try and bring a bit more dirt in uh next week um maybe we'll have a yarn about the wr450f which was recently announced um and that thing's had 450s a popular bike or and it's had some trick updates but uh we'll should probably uh not go into that otherwise we'll be making this podcast an easy two hours long we'll cross that bridge when we get to it right this is power band podcast Thank you very much for tuning in. Tuning in, I, I talk like we're on the radio. Well, you are a radio man yeah, in your day job, so... Yeah. That's fine, that's fine. It's, look, people are listening to us. It's not like they're watching us sitting in a car in the middle of a car park with headphones on, like I may or may not be. Right. Well, I've been Ray. I've been Matt. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you next Thursday. See you there. Maybe hear you then. Yeah, maybe hear you then. Keep coming, throttle on. Throttle on.